Join us in this transformative episode as we sit down with my sister and dedicated listener-turned-guest who has embarked on an incredible journey of self-discovery. Tune in as our guest shares her inspiring experiences and how she applied fulfillment therapy concepts to navigate her recent challenges with newfound clarity and emotional healing. From relationships to healing old wounds, her personal insights will leave you inspired and motivated to embrace these transformative insights in your own life. Get ready to dive into an open, raw conversation with real-life examples of resilience, growth, and the remarkable power of applying wisdom. Whether you're a longtime listener or a newcomer, you don't want to miss this episode that reminds us all of the extraordinary potential for positive transformation within each of us. I'm Kendra Nielsen. Welcome to Fulfillment Therapy, where you will improve your relationship with yourself, your loved ones, and with God. You'll find healing, wellness, crucial mindset shifts, and self-development help. I'm a licensed therapist, personal trainer, and coach. In this podcast, you'll learn the skills and confidence needed to transform your life from merely surviving to living a fulfilling, flourishing life. You can't reach your God-given potential and become who you were meant to become by remaining where you are. If you're ready, we'll create an ignited life you can't wait to wake up to. And yes, it's possible. It's your time to shine, my friend. Welcome to episode 40, part one, Life Lessons Unleashed, a listener's path to transformation. I've been wanting to have more guests on the show, and this one is a special guest because she is a dedicated listener and she's my sister. It's a pleasure to have her on the podcast because of her unique perspective and really this holistic view of everything that we've talked about so far and what she's learned about since I launched the podcast four months ago. We're now 40 episodes in, and I thought she would be a great guest to share her insights as a listener and especially as one who has applied the concepts and principles in these episodes. Let's get started. Welcome back to episode 40. Today we have a guest with us. It is my sister, Abby Tate. Lovely, Abby Tate. So, um, Abby, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? I am three years younger than Kendra. I knew you'd start with that. <laughs> and I'm a cosmetologist. I'm a mother of four. And oh, is there anything else you'd... You live here in Idaho. And I guess the rest will kind of come up as we go through your story. I was trying to remember when I asked you to be a guest, it was... Do you remember the conversation behind it? Like, oh, that would be perfect to have you on the show. I want to say it was one of the episodes where you're kind of talking about five or six steps to improving mental health. And I think we were talking about like, I felt like I was already implementing a lot of those things. So then I told you about me attempting to implement all of them. And then you saying that I could be a guest on it and how it's helped. Yeah, exactly. Because you were actually applying the steps. And so trying to see how that has helped with somebody else. 
like that is actually listening to the podcast and not just a client or something like that. Right. And you gave me those, those sheets and you wanted me to do the sheet, like fill it out at that time and then fill out a second set right before the interview. And I printed out all those sheets, <laughs> but I didn't really do them. So do you feel like, and that's totally fine. Do you feel like with those, do you feel like you still went through the steps or you kind of did it in a way and applied it just not as formally or yes. did you not? Okay. Yes. So uh, I think that is one of the big differences between you and Bill is you are much more of a doer and I really admire that about you a lot and I wish I was more that way but I certainly implemented them yeah um I listened to every single podcast and tried to really internalize what you were saying and practicing each of I do take it all to heart and really do start to make changes or like adapt to some of your suggestions or just, I don't, I don't know. Better. Yeah. I love to hear that actually, because every, uh, every guest is going to be slightly different on what they do and what they don't. And so I really appreciate that. Everybody's very different. And you said you're not quite as much of a doer as I am, or like I have um, maybe a lot more structure, how I go about it. It's more organized by like say papers or whatever. So you're doing it, you're applying the steps. It just might not be, like I said, in that formal way. Yes. Now, if it's okay, do you mind if we transition into some of the things that you had mentioned before? Yeah. Okay. Abby was telling me some of the things that really stood out to her listening to the podcast. And I just want to hit some of those points and just have her kind of speak to it a little bit. So one of the first things that you mentioned was cognitive distortions. And I know people listened to that not too long ago, but just kind of briefly what stood out to you like a general thing in that not even necessarily like what it is but why was that impactful for you so when you listed all of the different types of distortions i was already aware of what cognitive distortions were and i was also aware that i had them and that everyone does but when you went through and listed everything there were ones that i hadn't ever considered would fall into that category one of them being um, when you said, how did you word it? Along the lines of how, when we assume what other people are feeling, I think I have been trained throughout my life to be highly attuned to other people's energy and an anticipating their behaviors. And I recognize now that that is a trauma response from our childhood. And Maybe I have become a little too confident in that where I can fall into the trap of assuming that the way I read a person or assume what they're thinking is maybe too accurate or that I probably trust that more than I should. Mm -hmm. um, and I think of how often I probably am way off. And so that part really stood out to me was where is the balance between trusting your uh, intuition or your read of things or people or situations, um, but also not getting pulled into this cognitive distortion that I know what they are thinking. And I think I've gotten a lot better at being curious and asking questions or if I have depending on the person, right? Like some people are open to it and some people aren't, but 
if I have a feeling or if I'm reading a situation, I'll often now ask for clarification, like, this is kind of what I'm feeling, or is that accurate? And just being more curious about it rather than assuming that I'm correct. So that was one part that stood out to me. But then just as you were going through each thing, I started thinking about within each category where I have these beliefs or these ideas that in my mind are, are true because there's enough evidence throughout my life to make it a truth in my mind. Yeah. But that it's really not. Yeah. And just throughout the episode, it became very obvious that I have a lot, a lot of them. And what I've noticed a lot with my clients too is especially, and maybe I mentioned this on the podcast, I don't remember. If we're really anxious people, the more anxious we are, often the more cognitive distortions we have. Or you kind of hit on this already, trauma. It's, they're so subtle sometimes. So I'm glad you spoke to that a little bit because I've actually been thinking about it a lot since then too. So I appreciate that. Was there anything else you want to talk about that before I moved on to the next no. one? No, I don't think so. Okay. The next thing you talked about was how the big three and positive affirmations have been pretty transformational for you recently. What is yeah. it that you've learned about those things? So I am terrible at journaling. I've never liked it. I don't think I ever will like it. And <laughs> I'm trying to get better at accepting parts of myself and not shitting on myself. I love that. <laughs> uh, like, I think for a long time I told myself, well, I should journal and I should like it because it will be good for me. Yeah. But the big three was perfect for me because every morning I would, I just got into the routine of taking my, making my coffee taking my journal out to my patio, sitting with my plants and watching the hummingbirds and writing my big three every morning. And that seemed so much more doable for me than journaling. Yeah. And I thought sometimes I would be very general in, in my big three. Sometimes I would be very specific. Like one of the days it was, one of my big three was build a hummingbird feeder. But that's <laughs> Some days I don't have the capacity to have it be something really um really structured maybe uh not even structured but like deep um okay. like because uh, most of the time it's mindset stuff that i'm focused on or mm -hmm. sometimes it's just like reach out to a person that keeps popping into my head or anyway i sometimes i would have based off of my headspace for that morning, I'd have to go really simple yeah. because I knew I just didn't have the capacity that day to, to put a lot of pressure on myself. And then the affirmation. So I, I kind of, well, not kind of, I really do dislike social media overall. I think it's pretty unhealthy. Yeah. However, I have, I have Instagram, but I've filled a lot. Basically the people that I follow are only close friends and family, and then a lot of psychology or mental health. And so I feel like it's, my feed is full of positive affirmations. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of times I would pull quotes or things from there that I'd want to remember, or I'd save, I have a folder that I save inspirational. And so after my big three, I'd either find one that I liked or I would just write one for myself in, in my journal that just a generalized 
positive affirmation for myself. And I felt that it just created a really healthy mental space for me yeah. every morning. Um, so I did that for oh at least a month. I've gotten away from it a little bit, but I know that it had a really positive impact. So I, I don't know why I do that. I, I find something that works for me and does work really well. And then I sort of start to drift. I did go on vacation with the kids for a while and it was, that's kind of when I started to get away from it. But I know it's something I'm going to start getting yeah. back into because it, it did work really well for me. I love this. And I might be opening up a can here, but I feel like it's kind of important for the story. And you did just mention that you're okay with me talking about whatever. But um, I just want to speak to it because of listeners as well. So you talked about how sometimes you do things differently. And I don't know if it was different for you with your big three or your positive affirmations before, but you've gone through a lot of big life changes lately. And I know for me and my clients, sometimes when that happens, you have to get really still and you have to get really simple and really basic because you're really in survival mode. Yeah. Do you feel like that kind of happened to you where you really had to just really just wipe away everything except for the bare minimum to just survive and get through it? Yes. So I have discovered for myself that overwhelm is a huge enemy of mine. Mm -hmm. I have to really be conscious about avoiding it. As soon as I start to feel really overwhelmed, everything else feels way bigger. The anxiety just really takes over. So I've just learned some tools for myself to try to avoid the state of overwhelm and paying attention to my body and my moods and just like how I'm feeling and adjusting my day and, and the expectations of myself based off of that. Yeah, that makes sense. I know we're going to go into that a little bit, but thanks for speaking to that a little bit. I was wondering if it had been affected at all by that, but it sounds like it has a little bit. Another thing you talked to me about is apologies. And that's one of the other ones that uh, several people have reached out and said that the apologies one was kind of big for them. And it really embarrassingly was pretty big for me too, because it took me a long time to figure out what was it about apologies that stood out to you in that episode? In general, I think apologies is something I throughout most of my life have prided myself on that I felt that I've always been in a place that I was humble enough to apologize. I had no problem with apologizing. I feel like I apologize regularly to my, to my children. Um, I actually enjoy self-reflecting and thinking about where I can improve. And I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. I actually, yeah. and I appreciate that about myself. Um, so a lot of the points I was like, oh, I feel like I do a pretty good job of that. However, when you started to talk about our intentions and, and the fact that even if our intentions are pure, it can still sometimes have a negative impact on another person. And so sometimes the intention actually doesn't matter. And I realized in that moment that I have often justified my actions or the extent of my apology based off of my intent. And so when it was put that way, I 
realize that's something I'm guilty of probably way more often than I would care to admit. And I think I've let myself off the hook probably way too many times. And so it's just something I want to be more conscious of. And I have, with all the work that I've been doing, I, I've noticed there's work for me to be done around validating yeah. people. Um, and that part of the apologies is um, validating how a person feels or what, how my actions have affected them. The reason that it's hard for me though right now is I've, I've often taken a lot more of the blame for things in, in my life than maybe I should. And so I'm trying to do a better job of separating what is mine to carry and what is not. With that, I also don't want to validate behavior that I don't agree with or feel is okay. And mostly in my previous romantic relationship, it was, uh, he often wanted to feel validated and it felt that I I didn't validate him enough, but I felt that he wanted validation in behavior that I couldn't possibly validate because I'm also trying to be really genuine and honest and authentic. And sometimes those things collide in a way that, so now when I pull it all apart, I don't know, it's hard to find the, the balance of of how do I validate their experience in a genuine way, but still not validate behavior that I disagree with? Yeah, that is a really tricky one, actually. I don't remember if I spoke to this or not, but you can validate things without agreeing with them. And it's this fine line. And as you're talking, it's also reminding me, like you talked about, sorry, I'm kind of backtracking slightly, but you talked about how growing up you took the blame for things or just even in the recent past more than your share it's almost what i know from you too and even our situation growing up like if you grow up not feeling validated you can grow up having a lot of empathy for other people and yet it's maybe hard to verbally validate others when that wasn't modeled for you yeah that's probably really true i haven't actually really thought about it from that perspective but I would absolutely agree with that. I'm a counselor. And that's what Joel says to me quite a bit. Like, you're not validating what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for speaking to that. I'm sure we're not alone, hopefully, with our with the listeners either. Well, we never are. We <laughs> like true. to convince ourselves. That, well, I don't know if we like to, but we yeah. tend to, as human beings, convince ourselves that we're alone in it, but we never are. Yeah, I think that's a pretty universal problem for sure. But that is maybe something I should speak more to about the validating and the um, you don't have to agree with what they're saying. It's almost like I'm here, I'm holding space for you. I recognize like what you're saying, like you're you're a witness to their, their feelings and their pain, but you don't have to agree with the way they went about things or how they did things or anything like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I feel that I've tried to do that because I do recognize that mm. where I think I lack is having it come across as that I genuinely do care and want to validate them but how do you do it without the butts like yes yeah. I I hear you I I can empathize with what you're saying but I don't approve of this behavior yeah. like because then it kind of takes away from it that's where I yeah absolutely I'm not so good at yeah, I, I can relate to that too. 
So I would say the two things, the two tools that I use. Number one is don't use but. Use and. And. <laughs> Try to put a period there and sit there for a little bit with them. Yeah. And then move on. Yeah. A new sentence. Actually, the and statements is something that has been profound for me over the last few years, too, is I think I know that we'll get into this maybe in a different episode or or whatever, but I used to be a member of the church and I'm no longer active. And maybe it doesn't have a whole lot to do with religion, but at least my experience of it, mm-hmm. I grew up with a believing more that it was ors rather than ands. Yeah. And retraining my thought process and even reflecting back on my marriage, uh, one, a friend of mine said to me once, she said, Abby, it's okay for you to have been happy and not happy. And that was very profound for me, even though it sounds so silly. I didn't realize how I was living in this black and white world and forgetting that two truths can exist. And and statements were just really powerful for me to learn to accept that a lot of things can be true at the same time. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you spoke to that. And I want you to come back on the episode for that because that is a huge topic because there's so much to say there that I think a lot of people would enjoy hearing. That actually takes me right back to what you're saying, though, about cognitive distortions. I never really thought about the or thing that you just mentioned, but that is very much that it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong here, the black and white thinking or another word for it is the all or nothing thinking. Like it has to be all this or it has to be all this. And as you're getting older and healing, you're recognizing it doesn't have to be this or this. Thank you for speaking to that. What about victim cycle? So that kind of goes along for me with perspective and mind shifts. Uh, I think mostly I've done a pretty good job of not allowing myself to sit in the space of victim for too long. But even when it comes to just simple thoughts of kind of feeling sorry for myself, I don't, I instantly just try to change that narrative in my mind. Yeah. Because to me, if you are constantly the the victim, you're not, maybe it's a control thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I would have to think about that some more. But I would rather not be, not be the victim of circumstances or my life. I'd rather just kind of take life as it comes and, like, and then be mindful and choose how I'm going to respond. Yeah. Uh, Can I ask you a clarifying question? Yeah. So when you say a power thing, or are you saying you don't like being the victim because you feel powerless or powerful? Oh, I guess powerless. Yeah. So it totally depends on the situation. I'm not saying right. every victim is choosing to be powerless. That's not what I'm trying to say. I just would rather... I don't, I don't quite know how to word this, but how about you tell me a little bit, because I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to reflect back on parts of the information, parts of the podcast, and I feel like I need you to remind me of some things. Do you remember some of the things you touched on? For the victim cycle? Me clarity and how to respond, yeah. 
Yeah, so below the line and above the line thinking. So when you're justifying behaviors, you're below the line. Or when you're like, um, you always, you never, um, or just a lot of that. Uh, oh, there's so many different things. I'm trying to remember. Really, you're being more passive or more aggressive below the line. And as soon as you start taking ownership, you move above that line. Okay. Does yeah. that kind of... Yeah, yeah. So uh, I feel that I'm practicing those things and in my previous relationship one of a common argument we would have is I felt he was always seeking to blame or find find some sort of blame and I I felt like something I said a lot was it doesn't have to be anyone's fault it could yeah. just be that us together or the way just us not aligning or like it doesn't it's not actually helpful to blame anyone, in my yeah. opinion. We're not getting to the part where we actually make progress. Like you could just get stuck below the line when you're blaming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't lead to any sort of resolve. I feel pretty confident when it comes to the victim cycles that I think I avoid that pretty well, but I also feel that I'm hyper aware of it. So when I'm doing hair and People share their lives with me and they start talking about their situations and it's very obvious to me when people are really stuck in that in that victim cycle. And sometimes harder for us to identify when we are. Because I think even you just mentioning blame, I'm like, oh yeah, that's one where I'm definitely below the line sometimes, especially like with your kids, like or even those statements, you always, you never like when they're doing something they shouldn't. I don't know yeah. if that's that's probably true. I probably am not the greatest in when it comes to parenting in that way that's probably another way that I would need to look at it but I would disagree that you're I don't feel like in my experience of you I don't feel like you're looking for blame oh thank you I appreciate that I think we all see the shadows in ourselves more hopefully I don't portray myself too much on the podcast like I'm massively flawed I think you're good at recognizing where you could maybe improve but I do think that you're, at least from what I know of you, and then when you talk about maybe not being so good at things, I'm sometimes surprised. Like, I would totally disagree with that. Yeah. I think that we have that in common, though, and probably a lot of everyone in our family, maybe, or everyone we know, uh, that we're hard on ourselves. So. Yeah. yeah. Seeing those shadows. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I want to see... I'm more worried about the blind spots, like mm -hmm. the, the parts that I don't see, and I really, really want to see them. And I almost want to like corner people that are close to me and say, "Tell me all, tell me all my blind spots. Tell me all the things that I need to improve on." So I don't want to be blind to them. But then I also get conflicted, and well, that's not super fair to ask of someone. Um, and I actually have to tell myself, "Have you heard the quote like?" what others think of you are, or what others think of you is none of your business. Uh, I've heard renditions of that. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing for sure, but I'm fascinated with human behavior. I'm fascinated with people, the way that people perceive me or my actions or things that I, and I'm always seeking to improve. So I want to kind of get inside the minds of other people and yeah. where I could make changes. And yeah. then I'm also conflicted sometimes when I think about that quote and how, 
is it really any of my business though? And And I think there's this part of me because I want to do the same thing. I don't, I want to be very aware and tuned in and I don't want, I don't know. I'd have to explore that a little bit more. And there's this part of me too. That's like the people that have been the most influential in my life. Haven't been the ones that have been like, here, let me tell you all your blind spots and what's wrong with you. And I've been, it's been the ones that like see my beauty and help me recognize it. So it can shine even more. Yes. And you've talked about that a lot about how, how do you say it? Like, what we give attention to what you focus on grows is that yeah maybe that's what i'm thinking of too uh but you have talked about even for yourself if there's like 100 good things said about you and then one bad thing you remember the bad thing when i worked at a credit union they had us take this personality test and we had to learn it would tell us like what our natural talents and abilities were and if we would fit into a role or not and it would tell us like our top ones and i wanted to know what my bottom ones were and they wouldn't yeah. tell you. They yeah. said, kind of for that same reason, um, they said that they found that people would fixate on the negative things when that's not what they wanted. They wanted to focus on the positive. Yeah. And that's absolutely true. I notice when you talk about people who have that stand out, I feel like it'd be safe to assume that we might even feel the same way about our one of our aunts or even actually a couple of them. They're very encouraging Mm-hmm. supportive like I never feel judged yeah um I feel like I'm the most perfect human on the planet yeah <laughs> like that there's nothing I need to improve and that person has had the biggest impact yeah on my confidence and so that's a very true statement and so I wish I didn't have this yeah. need or want so I guess I need to figure out where that comes from and why it's really there. Yeah. I'm sure we could go real deep. That. <laughs> I was just going to say, can you tell right now that we're sisters? Cause we're very much thinking about these different layers and like where they come from. And yeah, we're obviously related. Yeah. <laughs> Another day. Yeah. There you go. Is it okay for me to move on to the next yeah, point? Of course. You kind of have hit on this a little bit, but you talked about mindset shifts. So specifically you already mentioned changing narrative a little bit, but also like reframing, and specifically being excited about the future. Yeah. I very recently have gone through a, a really hard breakup. And for the first time in my life, so like since middle school, I am single. And I feel like I'm just kind of floating. Like I don't, I'm not tethered to anyone. And I mean, obviously my children, I'm always, but it, it's just this, this strange space and very unfamiliar. And there are moments of intense fear. I feel I've come a long way in my mental health journey where I'm before that would overwhelm me and really scare me. And I just end up going right back into this relationship. And this time around, I'm more sitting with the, with the discomfort. I'm trying to really practice self-soothing. And I'm trying to change my perspective. And when I have those like really sad, heavy feelings or, or thoughts going through my head, I'm trying to just change them a little bit. And one example of that is rather than thinking I am, I'm so scared for the future, I'm trying to shift that to I'm so excited about the future. I'm so excited about 
the unknown rather than being absolutely terrified yeah. of the unknown. And just that tiny change has a huge impact on how I'm like processing. That's been so obvious in how you are approaching life lately. Just that little mindset shift and that changing of those pathways, you can tell that there's something different because of how you're responding to life lately. Not like you're cowering and living in fear, but you are almost like embracing life. Would you agree with that? Or Yeah, I feel that I'm not... I'm choosing how much power my feelings have. Yeah. So I'm accepting like, yeah, this is really hard and this is scary, but it doesn't have to be devastating. Yeah. And I in the past when I would go through these cycles and that's the biggest thing is I'm trying to change really break cycles right now. And I think for the first time I'm up for the fight and I'm choosing not to be devastated by my situation. And it, it sounds like that is like, seems like a simple statement for something that's really heavy, but it has made a lot of difference in the way that I am approaching everything. Absolutely. That reminds me, and I think I mentioned I don't always like the word trauma because it can lead to like this negative approach, but post-traumatic growth. You briefly touched on it. You didn't really go into detail or anything, but your recent breakup, you'd been together with him for how long? So yeah, about almost five years. Okay. So significant. And before that, your marriage, and that was another long, well, you alluded, you had many very long relationships since middle school. I had no idea it was that many. Yeah. So this is massive. So it would make sense. You have to have this big change in your narrative because this is uncharted territory and it's scary. Yeah. Uh, and you're doing it. So hard. <laughs> time will tell maybe have you come back (laughs) i know we're gonna hit that a little bit so was there anything else with that that you wanted to speak to before i moved on uh with mind shifts yeah i just i don't think so i think uh that's the most powerful thing for me right now Mm -hmm. so it is probably what i'm most passionate right now is just taking control of those thoughts and practicing exercising the power that i have to do that just like have you ever had a dream where have you ever been in a nightmare and then suddenly like change the dream because you knew you could? Have you ever done that? Yes, but I think it was for really weird things. So for sake of the podcast, I'll disagree. <laughs> okay. I remember very specifically a time and I wasn't that old. I want to say maybe I was a teenager, but I remember having a very terrifying dream. And then I remember in the dream coming to this awareness that, this is my dream. I should be able to control this. And I changed the dream. Mm-hmm. And I kind of keep going back to that because I feel like it's the same concept. It's like, sure, most of us think that when we're dreaming, it's subconscious. We don't have any control, but we yeah. have as much control as we're willing to, or as much power as we're willing to yield, I guess. It's almost like a choose your own adventure book. <laughs> yeah. So You're choosing your own adventure. I like that. Yeah. No, I don't have anything more to say on it. But. Okay. 
The next part you talked about was shame, forgiveness, and grief, just that general topic. What main things have you learned about that recently through the podcast or just everything? I know that's a big loaded one. That is a really loaded one. And that that ties to a lot of parts of my story that we haven't even really touched on. But I have lived in a lot of shame, worked, tried to work through a lot of shame, actively trying to forgive myself over and over and over. And I feel very passionate about grief. I feel that overall, most of us are pretty uncomfortable with grief. And we also don't know how to show up for people who are grieving. And I also feel that grief sometimes seems to be reserved or only accepted for those that society feels deserves it. If that's a whole nother, like I could get into a rabbit hole thoughts on that, but grief is something I feel very passionate about and something I feel we all could be a little more educated on yeah um but it's been something that's been very interesting for me to to dive into as I've had to deal with my own grief and in trying to show up for people who are grieving I like that I actually just made a note of that you said you need to be more educated on that I'm like that's probably something I should speak to a little bit more delve into more in my opinion you could probably have 10 plus episodes of just (laughs) yeah on grief. Exactly. Like, especially anyone that's gone through major grief can attest to that, right? I, I don't know if you've ever seen this visual, um, what do they call it? Just a little diagram or something, but there's a picture of grief and you know how they said like, you have like a cycle or you go through these different stages nicely. Well, it's actually like a giant tangled ball where you're going from one to the next to the next to the next, whatever that is, whether that's your recent breakup or your divorce or leaving the church, whatever it might be. We'll get into that in the future. I yeah. said. <laughs> um, but you wanted to share a, a bit more about that, the forgiveness and the shame. And so what else were you saying? I cut you off a little bit. I think those are such big topics for me that I feel that I have to be kind of brief on them because otherwise okay. we'll start getting into something that you won't be able to get me out of. <laughs> well, I definitely want to have you back. So we'll just, I guess, bookmark some of those for a minute. Okay. What about honoring your body? You talked, do you remember talking to me about that earlier? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I tend to overthink. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. So sometimes my mind can be my worst enemy at times because I will overcomplicate things when sometimes things are simple. And I have been trying to put into practice paying attention to what my body is telling me and Mm. maybe like bench my mind for a minute and just say like, "Mm." like I think my body's telling me something that my mind doesn't want to uh, remember or accept, or I could give it a lot of different words depending on the, on the situation, but learning to, shut off my mind for a moment and just pay attention to the facts. And usually my body is giving me the facts and noticing when I feel anxiety, noticing the signs of noticing of when my body remembers something that my mind does not and honoring that, paying attention to that. And I guess giving my body a voice, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think that's just a 
in a lot of ways, a more eloquent way of saying that you're living now, you're, you're learning to live more intuitively and more aware. And that is essentially what mindfulness is. And I spoke to this on a previous podcast, but I learned the same thing like when I was doing trauma therapy, where they were constantly checking in about where you're feeling it in your body. And it amazed me that I had gone decades without like, it's almost like you start off being really aware of your body and you lose that along the way. Yes. You're honoring that more is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, on it again, a totally different topic. I don't want to like steer away from this too much. For me, I've realized that some of that comes from the fact that I've spent a lot of my life being afraid that I was being dramatic or too, I guess, too much of a girl or Mm -hmm. that when it came to specifically health concerns that I felt like I really had to tone it down so that people didn't see me as like being being too dramatic or uh, ridiculous or or, whatever it was. Yeah, it would. So I felt like I had to constantly kind of like downplay what I was experiencing or what I was feeling because it was almost, it was looked at that the more in tune you are with your body, almost the more of a whiner you are, almost has this like negative view when really, isn't that a good thing for when people who are in their bodies and very aware of their bodies and familiar with their bodies, when they know something is off, I would rather be that way than people who are so disconnected from their bodies that they have no idea that something is even off or wrong. Yet, when you, you deal with the medical field or you you go in with the way that medicine is, they kind of push the opposite. Yeah. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I think so. And as you're talking, that reminds me of almost like it's not that surprising, kind of like how we respond to kids again. But it's like uh, our culture is so numb you talked about body, but even just feelings that we want to like shove everything down. And if you're living and more aware and intuitive and mindful in that space, people want to slap that out of you. Like that it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know if that's what you're speaking to. Yeah. I think there's a different layers to it. I just, for my own life, just realized how often I was, I, I almost felt ashamed that I was very aware of my body because mm-hmm. it was framed as being like, Ugh, you're, you're so dramatic, or you, there's always something wrong, or and there was validation, like there was real, like valid things wrong, but I was trying to talk myself out of what my body was telling me because a lot of other people around me weren't in tune with their body, so it was almost yeah. that I was labeled as like the weird one when really is that a bad thing? Well, I'm just thinking about our childhood, and I definitely think I was one of those people that kind of like shut your mouth, stop whining, blah, 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 but not recognizing. I mean, hopefully I do at this point, but I think you're very much, very sensitive to especially your body and often your environment, that that is something, especially in trauma realms, like it's, it's hard to pay attention to those things without it like being very painful for certain people. And yet you were able to be pretty aware even through that in a lot of ways. But it wasn't well-received often. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, in a very roundabout way, I'm just pointing out the different ways in which we're kind of told by society to ignore what our body is saying. Exactly. And our bodies are really wise. Maybe we should. Mm -hmm. I know we talk about it a lot, the mind-body connection, but I just love learning about that, like dis-ease and... All the things that happen very much 
connected. You talk about that a lot in our own conversations. I hope you are enjoying this podcast episode and conversation here today with Abby Tate, my guest speaker. We'll continue this next time. And as a quick reminder, sign up for our free 45-day wellness challenge starting the day after Labor Day on September 5th to October 19th. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram for those under Fulfillment Therapy. And this is just a free service to help you supercharge your life right after the craziness of summer, purely for your benefit. No strings attached. Just come and grow and be supported in that community. Go to fulfillmenttherapy.org to sign up for the Costa Rican Women's and Men's Retreat that will take place in June 2024. So that's June 16th through the 22nd. There are only a few spots total for each, and they are filling up quickly. My husband will be running the men's one, and I will be running the women's one at a nearby property at the same time. And there's going to be amazing excursions and incredible things. You can check it out in the show notes, a quick video in all that it contains. But that is lodging, food, excursions, entertainment, psychoeducation, wellness resources, training, restoration, and an unforgettable experience that will launch you towards becoming your best and most fulfilled self. You are not going to want to miss it. So grab one of the few spots in this exotic getaway. I'll see you back here soon for part two. Take care and have an incredible week. If this podcast has helped you gain the insights and skills needed to propel you towards transformation and joy, the number one way to help me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcast. Like you, I'm striving to become my higher self by helping others thrive. And I do that most effectively if you use your influence and give a review. Share this episode with a friend or share it on social media and let others know how it has helped you. I would be so very grateful and excited that we're creating positive ripples in so many lives. If you want to connect, you can find me on Fulfillment Therapy on Facebook and Instagram or go to fulfillmenttherapy.org. Thanks for listening and shine boldly and brightly, my friend.